0: Have you ever had like um, an unfulfilled dream, something that you you thought of when you're younger? Or oh, one day I want to be able to do this, and it might have been like a really far out dream, like oh, I want to have a red Ferrari. I want to have a red Ferrari. I one day I'm going to have a red Ferrari, and 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 every day, a day goes by. You go, yeah, it's, it may not ever become a reality. Or I I want to have. An island home. I want to live on an island, and and uh, maybe I can even own the island. I'm surrounded by a beach, or or maybe it's something. Maybe it's to have no more bills ever. Like every day that another bill comes in. Oh, my 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 dream is to have no more bills. Or maybe uh, like maybe it was at a time in your life when you're studying. You know what? Or maybe you weren't studying. This was a problem. Oh, I, I really have a dream of getting an A for that test that I've never ever studied for. I really, that's my dream. Now, some of those dreams become really far-fetched and you go, you're not too disappointed. Sometimes we are, but we're not too disappointed if they never happen. Like, um, it's like, oh, I want to win the lotto even though I never enter it. Like, like, I want them to make some clerical error somewhere and go, oh, here we go. Like, or even maybe it's like Monopoly and you go, I've won second place in a beauty contest and I get $10. Maybe it's like, okay, it's not too disappointing that, when it doesn't happen. But sometimes we have hopeful dreams. We maybe we have hopeful dreams for us or for our family. Um, maybe someone in our life is, is is unwell and we we just we want them to get better, and that's like oh we we really want to see that happen. Or maybe it's it's something in a practical way. We we want to be able to sort of have a car that we can use for our family that works well, and so we want that to happen. Sometimes we, we then get into some of these dreams, but what happens is they, they become good intentions. Good intentions are great. Because we want, we want to have people that have good intentions. We want us to actually think, think that they want to do what's best for either for themselves or for others. We don't want people thinking the worst of for, to us. They you know what? I look around and go, I'm not, I'm not going to do anything nice for anyone. And they don't. But the thing is, if you have someone who's got good intentions, go, I really want to do the best for everyone around me, but I don't do anything, well it ends up being the same as the person who thinks the worst. There's no action taken. And what we get to is we get to a point of unrealized reality. Or unrealized, I suppose, God's reality for us. And and today as we as we begin this series, this is what I really want to look at for us because I want to talk about us leaving what Maybe a place in our life that maybe it was necessary, but God doesn't want us to be anymore. And he wants us to move into a a new land, a new promise, and actually claiming something that for us that he's actually said, this is what the life I have for you. And and the problem with that is that sometimes we get stuck in the wilderness for a long time. And that's where we're going to be kicking off today. Um, and, And because if you want to move into God's promise, if you want to move into the life that God wants for you, you do have to leave the wilderness behind. You can't have both at the same time. And sometimes this is, and you might think it's a bit weird, but sometimes we choose the wilderness. We actually choose it either passively or actively. We choose to stay there. And I want to talk about that today, but the thing is, like, um, who remember the, the old sort of, um, cartoons in the newspaper, especially Phantom and that catch you up on the story in a few, few boxes. Well, what I want to do in a few minutes is actually catch you up on the story so far. For those who may not be aware of this story, how do we get to the point of, of the people entering the promised land? Um, we've actually, we've skipped the first nine verses of Joshua and we're going to go look at that next week. I wanted to start here because it's a very, deliberate thing that we do when we actually leave the wilderness and move into pursuing god's promises and i want to start there but okay just to catch us up we go all the way back to abraham abraham promised that um his um people his descendants would would be a people of promise that they'd be multiplied and that he would give them a land so right there god promised them the promised land abraham this is hundreds of years earlier So if you think you're waiting on the promises for a week, you might be waiting a bit longer. But the thing is, it was promised to Abraham, then it was promised to Isaac and Jacob. And then we see Joseph come into the story and Joseph is sold as a slave and he ends up in Egypt, becomes second in charge and his family comes down and even they're reconciled and and the people of Israel actually come and live in Egypt. They were actually quite well treated to begin begin with because of Joseph. And because of what he had done for not only Egypt but the known world at the time, and so what happened? They were they were they were privileged. They were given um, lots of resources. And and what ended up happening? Joseph died, and after a while, the people of Egypt forgot. And and God had blessed the Israelites. So what do you have? Is they weren't quite a nation, but they were a large family group. Now, when, when I say large family group, it was a large family group. It's not, not you think Christmas is crazy at your place. This is a large family group. And they were growing upon growing. And the Egyptians got scared of them actually taking over their country from within. And so what they do, they, they make them slaves. And this is where Moses comes into the story. He's born under that idea where the Israelites are slaves. God rescues him. God um, raises him up. And we go through that story. And eventually he comes back as um, directed by God to take the people of Israel um, out. And so we, we see this um, engagement between him and Pharaoh. We see the plagues that are sent upon Egypt. And finally, the people of Israel, this large family group, actually leave Egypt as a nation over 600,000 men left um Egypt and to top it all off basically the people of Egypt wanted to see the back of them so much that they poured upon them blessing upon blessing and they left with gold they left with gear they left with stuff that they would be able to set up their new nation when they got to the promised land and so off they went, they went through the Red Sea, we see a great victory there, and they come to the point of Sinai, they receive the Ten Commandments, and they continue on, and they get to a place called Kadesh Barnea. And at that place they send, Moses sends in twelve spies into the land, the promised land, to spy out the land. Now part of it was that one, one person from from each tribe of Israel, they were meant to scout out the land on which they were going to claim. So this was, it was actually it had an exciting aspect to it because they were going to go spy out this land, this was going to be the land that we were going to live in and they were going to see the rivers that are going through it, they were going to see the cities, they were going to see the the fertility of the land and they were going to be excited by that. And they, they did come back with that message, they came back with that message saying, this land is fantastic, it is like, it's just awesome, it's got everything we need. And then this word came in, but the land is full of giants and we are like grasshoppers to them. We're like grasshoppers. Now, the thing is, I don't know about you, but when my kids see an insect in the house, they can't go near it. It's this small, but they can't go near it. And I'm going, maybe all the nations of Canaan would have run away if they thought they were grasshoppers. I'm not sure. But either way, 10 of the 12 spies were so fearful of taking up the land, they would turn the people against this idea of the promise of God. Two stood against it. They were Caleb and Joshua. Um and they they'll come out. Joshua, of course, is the book that we're we're looking at, and Caleb it comes out in this chapter in this um book as well as we uh, continue this story. And so basically, what happened? God was so enraged by the, the faithlessness of the people of Israel that he said, This entire generation, anyone who is over the age of twenty. Um, we're going to walk the wilderness for the next four until everyone from that generation is gone. And basically that meant that if you were 19, you were going to spend the next 40 years walking around because of the decisions that your parents and the attitudes that your parents made. And the thing is, sometimes we read stories like this in the Bible, and go, that doesn't really sound fair. You had 10 people who made who convinced everyone else. Shouldn't they be punished and no one else? Well, God knew the heart of everyone in that crowd. He knew exactly where people were. God doesn't struggle with that. God doesn't need to sort of go, oh, I think they're, I think they're thinking this. He knows exactly what we're thinking. And so God, God knew exactly where the people were and he knew that this was not the generation that were going to take the promised land. And so for 40 years... They wandered around the desert. They'd set up camp exactly how God told them. They'd have four different sections, tabernacle in the middle, with the Ark of the Covenant, which we talked about last week, and, and, and they would set up, and then God would provide their needs every day. Manna every day, except for Sundays, or their Sabbath, which is Saturdays, and which they'd collect twice as much a day before. God provided their needs day after day. He provided water when they needed it. He provided meat through quails when they needed it. And God looked after them. He even made it so their clothes did not wear out for that 40 years. Their shoes and their clothes all sort of stayed together. That means they didn't change their fashions for 40 years. So that might have been a struggle for some of you in that sense, like going. I'm wearing the same thing I wore last week. I'm going to struggling to do that. For some of you, you're going, that's fine. Like um, I'm, I'm quite, I'm quite good with that. Um, some of us start wearing. Have anyone got uh, like a, a piece of clothing that is actually it needs to go in a bin? It's got more than one. It's got more than the necessary holes. One for your head, two for your arms, one for your body. It's got more holes than that, and you go, I'm hanging on to this shirt. It's my favourite shirt. Well, that didn't happen for the Israelites. They, and so eventually as they journeyed through, and again, they had multiple times when they still would whinge and whine and complain and, 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 and just grieve God's heart at times about what they were doing. And finally, the last person of that generation had died. And they come to this point and Moses along with them, Moses was taken up on Mount Nebo and was able to look over the promised land and at that point in time he died because he was not allowed to enter the promised land either. And so 40 years of wandering. And, I, and the thing is, it sounds it sounds horrible walking around a desert for 40 years. It really does. But the, the, the problem with a lot of us is that sometimes we get so used to a bad thing that it becomes normal. Like, we get so used to something that's, like, not really having a high expectation of stuff, going, this is... This is what life is. I don't expect anything more. And I, I just imagine a little bit some of the people going. Do you know what? We're used to this way of life. We're used to going out, getting up every morning, and collecting manna, and and the quails will come down, and God will provide water, and then oh, it's time to move on. We pack up and we move on. We are so used to that. This is what we think life is. Because these, this generation, most of them would have been kids when they, when may not have even alive when when the Red Sea happened. And, and, and when other mighty things that God did happened. And so all of a sudden this was life for them. But at, what it comes to is that at, at a certain point in time, especially when we're going to go from the wilderness to, to the promises of God, we need to make a choice. A choice must be made. Cause I think sometimes what we do, we hope the life, for life to get better. We, we desire for life to get better. We have the intention of life getting better for us. But none of those things is a choice. And so for Joshua, he actually had to get to a point where he has said, oh, you know what, we've got to make a choice to actually go that way, to go to the promised land. And we see this in, in verse 11. And, and Joshua basically gave the commandment. says, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God has given you is giving you for your own it's not saying hey guys we're going to have a planning meeting about maybe how we can actually take the promised land or let's have a planning meeting to go do we want to take the um, promised land maybe we actually just live out here let's have a vote on it. let's have a discussion about it it was no we have made the choice and we're going to do it And and that choice becomes really important because, and especially in our lives, if we don't make the choice, all of a sudden it's hard to actually take the next steps. Now, I think occasionally, um, through God's grace, God will actually change us even, even though we're not fully engaged in the process. Maybe we wake up one day and we go, do you know what? Today I'm feeling more forgiving. Today I'm feeling God's grace more. Today I'm feeling more defined by god and we go oh praise god for that but sometimes like it doesn't happen because we are we're not actively pursuing that and and so like and we see this even in the life of jesus it there's and we see in that he's seen in that song we sing i have decided to follow jesus i have made a choice to go in the direction that god wants me to go in I have made a choice to, to do the things that need to happen in my life to see that work. And so a choice must be made. But the thing is that the second part, looking in that verse, in verse 11, was basically said God, he said, he made the command, get yourselves ready, get your provisions ready. We are leaving in three days. Because if you make a choice, a choice always needs action. If a choice never has action... It goes back to that stage, as a good intention. I'm going to, um, I'm going to read my Bible more this week, and every morning we hit snooze, or we watch TV at night time before we go to bed, and go, oh, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it tomorrow. I'm going to talk to my friends about Jesus, I'll, I'll do it next time it comes up, I'll do it next time, I'll do it next time. And so that choice is not really, it's not really a choice, it's a good intention that's never becoming reality. And it works out in other areas of our lives as well. Sometimes we need to stop doing something that we're doing. We need to make an active choice. To say, I need to stop that so that I can move forward in whatever I need to move forward in. But a choice requires action. And if we don't actually do that, all of a sudden we, we end up continuing that circuit through the wilderness over and over again. And whatever that wilderness is for you, and that, this is the thing. The wilderness for us could be so many different things. It could be a lack of purpose in our life. We don't know what we're meant to be doing because we don't really want to sort of submit to God. Or maybe it's like in regards to to work or family or relationships in our life. We're, we're in the wilderness. We're not sure what we're meant to be doing, but we know God wants us to go this way. We're not certain, so we just go, we keep with what we know. And all of a sudden, we we end up with years under our belts and nothing has changed. Nothing has changed and we look back and go, oh, if only I'd done that back then. We we need to get to a point where our choice defines our direction that we're going and then we take the necessary steps to start moving in that direction. Now, it doesn't end there. It doesn't end there because... Looking at Joshua um, 1, 12, and 13, but he says to the, the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Now, let me... What I, what I want to say is that sometimes we, we start moving in the direction that God wants us. We make the choice, we take some steps, and all of a sudden we may see a bit of victory or we see something change in our life. We go, Oh, I have made it. And I think the problem is that sometimes we settle far too early in what God wants for us. And there was an opportunity here for that to happen with Israel. So, but what had happened? The, um, the, Gad, uh, the tribe of Gad, the tribe of um, um, Reuben, the tribe of Manasseh had actually come to this plain that was on the um, the, the other side of the Jordan River. It wasn't actually in the Promised Land, but they looked at it and went, "Do you know what? This land is ideal for our flocks. It is ideal for our herds. It is ideal for our families." And so they went to Moses uh, at the time, back in in the book of um, uh, Numbers, and he said, "Can we have this land?" Now, initially, Moses actually got really upset at them, saying, "You're actually settling. You're not settling for God's promise." And so there was a bit of a discussion about that but what end up happening they they compromise saying you can you can have this land but the agreement is that when we get to the promised land you will send all your fighting men you will send them all to actually take the rest of the promised land with your brothers that all the rest of israel so that they are able to to claim their promise as well now i don't know what would have happened if 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 These three tribes, or these two and a half tribes, were actually really selfish. If they'd got to the point going, "Do you know what? We're actually we're set up," and and this is the thing, because this moves us in. We don't want to settle too early, but what we need to realise is that we need to ask us the question ourselves. That question: What is holding us back? What is holding you back from actually walking into that choice, into that promise of God? And the thing is, these two and a half tribes, because they've actually looked around and gone, "Do you know what?" We've got family here, we've got um, our herds here, we've actually got to get ourselves established. We've got to build houses, we've got to build up um, um, farmland, we've got to do all those things so that our families and our our, our tribes can start surviving. And it's actually said in 11.4, Joshua actually says to him, your wives, your children and your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. Like, that is going to stay here while you go off and fight. And it would have been so easy for them to say, but we don't want to go off and fight. We don't want to leave these things behind and go off and, and do that. We want to settle here. We want to settle early. We want to take this victory and just that's as much as we want. Now, the thing is, there was problems in doing that. There was problems in doing that for for these three tribes because if they settled there, and and the rest of Israel did not conquer the land of Jordan, it would have actually made them very susceptible to attack, to to being overrun by the other the Canaanite tribes. And the, and the thing is, we've got to be wary that we don't leave things in our lives that are going to sort of slow us down later. When we ask that question, what is holding you back? And the thing is, comfort. Can actually stop us from moving into what God wants us. And comfort can come in a whole range of ways. Comfort can be, we, we are, we, we know what's going on. So for the Israelites, even the wilderness could have been comfortable. And it sounds bizarre, but because it was what was normal for them, all of a sudden they were happy staying in that place where, oh, I don't, I don't want to move into something unknown. I don't want to move into something that's going to have challenges. I don't want to move in something where there's going to be giant cities to conquer. I want to go back to the wilderness and just have food on the ground every day that I can pick up and have birds flying in. We can have the idea of getting on with my life and forgetting about other people. That can hold us back. It can be a very selfish focus on us that can hold us back and walking into the promises of what God has. And so ultimately, we've been talking about choice. You need to make a choice to, to, to change direction. You need to make a choice which is followed by action. But the last choice you need to make is that you need to decide to finish the journey. It's, very, it's kind of a strange decision to make early on, but if you don't make it early on, all of a sudden you'll have a point where you think it's got too tough and you go back to what you knew. Even the Israelites, when they're walking around the desert, after they had betrayed God and and actually failed in being faithful to Him, they actually got to the point where they're saying, Moses, it would have been better for us to live in Egypt. Now, what you need to realise by that statement is that it would have been better off for us to live as slaves because that's what they knew and that's what they were comfortable with. And so if you do not make the decision to finish the journey... It is so easy to go back to something less than what God wants for you. Uh, just this week, in I don't know if you caught it uh, in the Olympic coverage, there was a, our, one of our Australian distance runners, Patrick Tiernan, basically was running the 10,000 metre race. Now, who, who caught any vision of that? Basically what happened, he was running the 10,000 metre race and Japan has been really, really hot. And so a lot of athletes have been getting exhausted. And in the last lap that he was running, so 10,000 metres is 10 kilometres, and for most of us, that's that's something that we drive in a car. We don't do that in walking distances or run, especially running, we don't do it running, we drive it in a car. Some of us go, it's two kilometres, I'm driving that in a car. Um, and, and And the thing is, but he was running and he got to that last lap, and as he's running this last lap, he collapses now you can you can look at him on the footage and he has got nothing left and he's fallen and i don't know about you sometimes i'm exhausted and i've fallen and being on the ground is a comfortable place to say but you actually see he actually gets up again and he keeps on pressing and he keeps on running and all of a sudden he falls again he falls again And then he gets up and he he runs to the finish line and he finishes the race. Now, I can only imagine this, but I can imagine he had made a decision even before he started that race that I'm going to finish this. It doesn't matter how exhausted I'm going to be. It doesn't matter if I fall over. I am going to finish this race. And all of a sudden, we've got to think about that in in, in regards to our spiritual walk and and, and entering into the journey that God wants us to take. And we see this in in Joshua 11, um, uh, Joshua 1, 14, B, and 15. And it continues on what he's saying to the three tribes. He says, but all your fighting men ready for battle must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. You are to help them until the Lord gives them rest as he has done for you. And until they too have taken possession of the land the Lord your God has given them. Now, the thing is, Joshua doesn't say this is going to be a walk in the park. Sometimes we read this chapter and go, oh yeah, this is going to be easy. And then we read the rest of the book and go, there were battles upon battles. There was years of fighting as God, through the the people of Israel, subdued the land for his purposes. They were going to be away for years from their family, but they made that decision to actually finish the journey. And you actually see this in verse um, 16. Then they answered Joshua, whatever you have commanded us, we will do. And wherever you will send us, we will go. Right then at that point in time, they had reinforced the, the, the choice they had made and the, the, the commitment they had made to Moses, but they reinforced their choice saying, yes, we will do this and we will do this until the end. We will see this finished. And the thing is, they realized to move into the reality that God had promised them they might have mountains to climb. That it wasn't going to be a walk in the park. It wasn't going to be all easy. There wasn't. It wasn't going to be like, oh, this is one step after another and a week later, God is going to do all the work he needs to do through me. They understood that it was going to be a journey. And I think we need to have that same realisation. To walk into the promises of God, it is going to be a journey. There are going to be mountains. There are going to be strongholds to break down. There are going to be giants, but there are the promises of God are there and that God is going to be with us and God is calling us to go on that journey. God is calling us to walk through that. We see in verse 15b, it says, after that, You may go back and occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan towards sunrise. You may go back and you can occupy the promise that God has for you. Now, I don't know exactly where God is taking you. I don't know where God is wanting to see you end up. But I know for certain that too often as Christians, we live for something less than what God wants for us. Sometimes we are so willing to to live in the wilderness forever and ever. It becomes so normal for us. And the thing is, I'm not saying the wilderness is your fault. You may be in the wilderness because that's the path that God is leading you to get to the promised land. Now, the Israelites, they spent longer in the wilderness than they had to because of their own choice. And sometimes we do that as well. Sometimes we have done things and decided things and thought things in our lives that have left us in the wilderness longer than God wanted us to be there. But there comes a time when God says, enough is enough. I don't want you in the wilderness anymore. I want you to enter into the promises I have for you, and now it's your choice. Will you follow me or not? And that's where we are today. Are you willing to choose to enter and to go into God's promises? And don't sort of go, oh, that would be nice. That would be fantastic. No, this is a choice. This is an active choice that will need to be followed by actions that ultimately will need to be made sure there is nothing holding us back so we can get to a point where we decide to finish the journey. If we don't decide all those things at the beginning, it is so easy to end up back in the wilderness or end up in a lesser place than God wants us. And we're going to be talking in coming weeks about some of the challenges they had to face, some of the missteps that they took, some of the failings that they they could have steered clear of. But ultimately we get to a point where we get to the end of the book of Joshua and Joshua goes, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And there's another choice he gives to the people at that point in time. But to get there, we need to choose well at the beginning. We need to choose to leave something that God no longer wants us to be a part of, to enter into the journey he has for us. And again, as I'm saying this, I, I, I'm sure that God is laying upon your heart the areas that he's wanting you to leave behind. And he's, he's showing you at least the direction that he's wanting you to walk into. And you, you might be going, do you know what, God, I don't think I can do that. And that's all of a sudden you are basically letting things hold you back from the promise that God has for us. We're going to be um, finishing up with um, a song, Guide Me, O Now Great Jehovah. Now this song actually fits very well with the journey through the wilderness into the promised land. In the first verse it says, um, Pilgrim through this barren land. There are times when we go through times of of wilderness. It might be a season. It might be a very long season. Verse 2, it says, lead me all my journey through. Now, one very important thing in that is that if we want to get towards the other side, we've actually got to follow in the steps that God shows us and lays out for us. And verse 3, it says, when I tread the verge of Jordan, when I'm on the edge of the promised land, bid my anxious fear subside, death of death and hell's destructions, land me safe on Canaan's side. Today, whatever God is laying on your heart, whatever wilderness experience that you have found yourself in, God is calling you out of that. And God is calling you into his promise. As we sing this song, I pray that you are challenged to make that choice, to walk in that choice, to to see actions come of it and decide to finish that journey. And I can guarantee you, and this is not what you want to hear, there will be trials in that journey. But the promise that God has for you is going to be worth it. So don't give up on that. Don't give up on on, on pursuing God and his call on your life. Lord, I, I thank you today as... As I know that there are times of wilderness living in our lives. Times when we feel that we are going in circles and not going forward uh, in our life with you, even just life in general. But Lord, we know this. We know this to be true, that you call us out of the wilderness. You call us into the promises that you have for us. And I, I pray today that we are willing to change our perspective, to look away from the wilderness that we may feel trapped in and look to the promises of God and make a choice to be obedient to you, to walk behind you, to walk with you, to know that you go ahead for us. But, but Lord, make sure we walk. Make sure we take the actions that is needed in our life to see us be move one step and another step closer to that promise. And today, Lord, and as much as it seems beyond our understanding, help us to choose to finish the journey. Knowing that there will be struggles, knowing that there will be hardships, knowing there will be times of confusion and maybe even lostness, knowing that to be true, to make the choice to say, God, no matter what, I'm gonna follow you through this to get to the promise of the other side. And so I thank you for that. I thank you for the example of of Joshua and the people of Israel through this time. May they bring more lessons to our lives in coming weeks as we continue with them and the journey that they took and how it reflects on the journey that we can take with you also. We pray this in your name.